for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. Greetings, I'm Bernard. And I'm Magenta. You might know us from such hit podcasts as Madame Magenta, Sonas Mystica. Horror anthology Magenta Presents. Or season three of Mockery Manor. We're everywhere. And we're spreading faster than an STD in an old folks' home, because now we have a brand new podcast. Wham! Wham! It's a fun acronym that stands for We Have a Movie. Oh, it's not just an acronym, Bernard. It's not? It's a chat podcast where we invent smash hit Hollywood movies based on popular toys. If you like the Barbie movie and you want to see similar treatments of your favourite childhood toys, I'll wager you'll like Wham! With episodes on Polly Pocket, Rubik's Cube, Game Boy, Strawberry Shortcake, Furby, Connect Four, and lots of other nostalgia bait. But it's not just for adults who still like toys. It's a podcast for anyone who loves Hollywood tropes and comedy. And quantum mechanics. And BDSM. Wham! has something for everyone, but is still specifically about movies. That's Wham! W-H-A-M. You know, like when Batman punches someone. Yes. Adam West. That Batman. Exactly. Not the Christopher Nolan one. No. Download it anywhere you listen to podcasts. <sighs> That's what the world needs, another movie podcast. Was that clear? Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned quantum mechanics. Mm. My name is Ivoma Okoro. You are listening to Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast, and episode 11 starts right now. On last week's episode, Vega and Milo made each other a promise. If Milo spilled the tea for Vega about how he and Zaxby met, she was bound by the force of their excessive but pretty much legally binding handshake to tell him everything she knows about the killer currently sitting on the living room couch. If you remember, Milo finished last week's episode by keeping up with his end of the bargain. And now, it's time for Vega to keep up hers. I'll rewind you just a smidge, and then we're going to get right back into it. It was like an instinct, Zaxby hears himself say. I knew that if I could get to him before the rapids carried him away, that I could save him. The last thought I had before I hit the water was that if I die doing this it will be the most meaningful thing I have ever done what were you praying for? a miracle well that's too bad Vega looks up from the floor he can tell in her eyes the game is over you got me nope, you're losing me you said you tell me everything, Vey. We shook on it. Milo points his finger at Vega and moves it between her and Zaxby. What was that? Milo. Zaxby holds his breath. Now that the moment is here, how will she begin? I don't work for Convoy. What are you talking about? I don't design ships for a living. Vega, what are you talking about? Then what do you do? You remember when we were kids, she says, getting pointed now, how I was always really good at finding people? That's what I do. I find people and I stop them from doing bad things. That's not what she does. Why do they always put it like that? Why do they make it sound like a game of cops and robbers, hide and go seek? This woman is a killer, Milo. She stops people by killing them. There is something so satisfying to Zaxby about the look of horror creeping onto Milo's face right now. Yes, it is horrifying. And because of that, Milo, <laughs> I mean, look at him. He is not ready to accept this. What is, what? 
What are you saying? But Vega isn't going to baby him. No, no. Quite the opposite. You are not a child, she says. Not anymore. You know what I'm saying. He does. <laughs> Listener, he really does. Now he gets it. You can tell by the look on his face. Did his childhood just end? Did my father know? He signed my paperwork. Well, why didn't anybody tell me? No. No, Vega says, and I need to emphasize that her anger here isn't hot. It is very, very cold. I think the real question is, why didn't you see it for yourself? Because it's obvious now, isn't it? All those visits to the healing house, all my confidential business trips, how my presence made your father so uncomfortable. No, the reality of your situation is that the truth has been sitting right here in front of you and no one ever taught you how to see it. That's not your fault though. It is your masters who have failed you. So now I will take it upon myself. I will teach you and this will be your first lesson. Zaxby killed your father. Here we f***ing go. Now the gloves come off. Now Vega and Zaxby are going to bare knuckle box in the street. Does she even know where he's from? How do I know this? She continues. You've known the man called Zaxby for the better part of a year. I've known him for 30 minutes. How could I sense from the moment I walked into the room that this was the man who dared open fire on women and children? Our family killing 129 of our own before feigning his own death. You could call it intuition. Or you could say that these things are obvious when you follow two simple rules. These two little guidelines are the key to a great deal of my success. Are you ready, Milo? Observe everything. Question everything. Shall we put these into practice? Should they? Check your cousin, Vega. Milo's not ready for that. Because here again is another truth he's not ready to accept. Zaxby was sitting right next to me, Milo says, struggling. The shooter killed himself. That's what they said. Oh, see, that's important, Vega says. Because that right there, that violates rule number three. Never accept a truth you didn't form using rules one and two. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's take it back to one. Just right now, just let's observe. They turn their eyes on Zaxby, and despite the bravado, he feels his whole body flush. Exposed is what he feels. And murderously angry, what do you see? Vega, this is so out of line. Just one observation and we're done. Fine. Okay, my observation is that we're making him angry. Vega laughs and says in a loud voice, Zaxby, you mad? Zaxby looks to the ground, smiling. I'm amused, actually. Interesting. Okay, now, Milo, so let me tell you what I see. Or rather, I guess mine will be about what I'm not seeing. Tattoos. See, I've been to that cesspool they call a country. I've observed that hardly anybody makes it out of Knox without their fair share. You belong at any time to any one of the little street gangs they call families, you get one. I've observed that the more dangerous the cult, the less visible the tattoo. And on the most insidious end, they don't even have visible markings. Lucky for us, and I'll admit, this is a bit of a cheat. I did the research. Animus is mediocre. They brand their boys on their backs, right between their shoulder blades with a tiny little A. Now for the questions. 
Can we see Zaxby's back from here? Do you think Zaxby has ever let anyone in this country see his back? Don't you think that if Zaxby was an innocent man, he would have no problem showing us his back right now? You want me to take off my shirt. Zaxby, please don't flatter yourself. This isn't about what I want. This is about you. You have a choice to make. We could do this the easy way. You can confess. Though it won't change anything that you've done, you could apologize to this family and you can surrender yourself. Or we could do this the hard way. Look at you. Look at you. You love this. You wanted this. A hunter on the loose to blow this dude up, to take this dude down, make him pay. Well, this may be Vega's story, but this is not Vega's world. And from this moment on, this moment, the demise of the reign of Rex begins. With his eyes locked on Vega, Zaxby moves, shifting to the front of his seat. He lifts his finger. He watches Vega's gaze follow the course of that finger until it's sitting on his collar. He loosens that collar. Zaxby, don't, Milo says. You don't have to take off your shirt, dude. Somebody's going to. Your cousin will make sure of that. Let it be me. Vega's eyes widen ever so slightly. She's surprised. She didn't think he was going to do it. He loosens the first button and two inches of his bare skin appear. He suddenly gets the strong feeling that Vega doesn't want him to look at her while he does this because she has no choice but to look back. And looking back makes it harder for her to hide how uncomfortable this is making her. Now why is that? I was wondering, Zaxby says, undoing the second button now. It's subtle, but Vega's eyebrows furrow as two more inches of his bare skin appear. If I might share... What I'm observing, she dares not take her eyes from his eyes. A smirk creeps up the corners of his lips. I've observed that your hand has been covering your data link for the last 10 minutes. I've observed that you honors have a strict set of rules which keep you from acting independently of the state that you work for. This is prior knowledge, I'll admit. But I know that a hunter found acting independently of the state from that point on automatically becomes an enemy of that state. No, I think I have some questions. As he undoes another button, he tilts his head, his expression turning quizzical. Are you covering your data link because you're afraid your superiors are listening in on you? If you're afraid of even being overheard betraying your oaths, are you really willing to violate them? If you find the evidence on my back that you're looking for, are you really prepared to kill me? He knows. He just knows she's got to be seething inside, but impossibly. Her voice sounds even cooler than before. The only thing that I fear is that the satisfaction I will feel when you die will be far too fleeting. (laughs) That's interesting. Zaxby says, chewing on his lip for a moment. There is nothing that I fear. 
And listener, I have to tell you this next part as a series of chain reactions, but I want you to know that it happens basically all at once. Zaxby stands up. Vega stands up. Milo stands up. Zaxby starts moving to the door, and as he's moving, he's saying, I think I'll take my leave. If there is something you need to do, I hope you find the courage to do it good day to you. And Milo's saying, Vega, just wait. Just think about what you're doing. But he's grabbing for her arm and Vega's whole body just becomes one giant fast twitch muscle that shoots in Zaxby's direction. The next beat is heart stopping. With Vega's body in the air, Zaxby's turning to face her. And in the next, before Vega's feet can even touch the ground, there's a loud echoing click and the room goes black. I said the room went black. I'll say it better. Darkness ate the room. It sunk its teeth into the windows and with a mighty heave, ripped them from the walls, twisting, popping, and crunching until needy tendons of light came loose and disappeared down its dark jaws. In the next bite went the walls, and in the next, the thick throat of darkness was closing in on them. Vega had the sick sensation of weightlessness, and after that, she realized she was in the air. And only after that did she realize she had jumped. The last thing she saw before darkness consumed her was the face of the man who killed her uncle, swallowed up in horror as she fell toward him. Vega's body had hardly touched the ground when she feels herself, on pure instinct, pivot like a scarab and launch herself back in Milo's direction. That's the sound their bodies made as she slammed into him. And this is the sound their bodies made when they slammed into the floor, just like that. And she said, don't move. Or rather, she tried to say, don't move, but it sounded more like... Then, with just as little warning as when it left, light and sound come slamming back into Vega's consciousness. Once again, she's in her living room. Only, here's the thing, Milo isn't there. And the question suddenly becomes, in cue, wave of nausea slithering over her, if Milo isn't here, who is she holding on to? Cause swear to Saibo, she can feel him in her hands. The polyester mesh of his sweatshirt is bunched in one of them and the other is gripping one of his bony shoulders and by it, she can read his entire rigid form lying paralyzed in fear on the floor. But she can't see anything but carpet where at least one of her senses is telling her his body lies. <clears throat> Vega hears a voice clear a throat but she doesn't hear this voice in her ears. It's in her head. We now interrupt this brainwave for a very special announcement. It's showtime. And then a woman appears out of thin air. Just like that, her form just sort of blinks on in front of them. And as Vega looks up at this woman, she has never in her life been less relieved to have everything suddenly make sense. That ringing they had heard when the lights went out, she had thought the sound had been Zaxby getting a call, but it must have been her living room. Their long dormant VR system picking up a call that evidently didn't need anyone to pick it up to commence in connecting. And connect it had, overtaking the components of her living room to reconstruct the virtual version of them in their place. 
which of course had left Vega lying on the ground of the virtual version of her carpet, staring up at the woman at the other end of this call like she just popped out of a port key. Who was this woman? I hear you asking? They call her the Prophet Elect. If you promise to keep it, I'll let you in on my funny little secret. The Elect begins. You know Saivo? Mm-hmm. You know how he gives me the prophecies? Mm-hmm. You know how having the ear of Saivo is supposed to be the highest honor there has ever been in the whole wide history of the universe? Mm-hmm. She leans in as her voice whispers, The secret is, I find almost every single prophecy to be so terrifically boring. And she laughs. But if you're picturing her laughing with her mouth, you're picturing it wrong. Because the whole thing with the prophet-elect is that she's mute and deaf, and blind. I don't know why every prophet-elect there ever was allegedly has been. The tradition has it that the people who are chosen, elected by Saivo to be the leader of his nation, are born your typical seeing, talking, hearing people. Then one day, lightning strikes. Literally, these people are struck by lightning and their natural ears close to the world as the inner ear opens to the mythical, silent voice of the divine. According to the whispers and rumors Vega has heard about this woman, before she was elect, she was just a child. Some girl from the countryside named Cordra. She's in her 40s now. At the time she was struck, she was only eight. I know, it makes me sound like a spoiled brat to say this, but if you heard as I hear, I know you'd agree. How was the elect communicating with them? Hell, if Vega could understand it, so many people had tried to explain electrical signals. It had something to do with the electrical signals that your ears send to your brain. She had some tech that could manipulate that, make your brain receive a signal your ears never sent. Vega didn't realize it could work over such long distances, though. She didn't know the Holy City could hijack living rooms for house calls either, for that matter. Oh, there are prophecies about petty little rewards for petty little children. About the kill list, of course, who goes where and gets assigned to whom. Lots about biological discoveries, technological advancements, truths, secrets, liars, traitors, those sorts of things. But the thing about them is that I never really know when they come to pass. I make the declaration and that's it. Maybe they happen and maybe they don't. Nobody tells me. I've got to move on. And that is why my favorite prophecies of all time are the ones with time stamps. To witness an event preordained come to pass. She shivers. That's thrilling. Tell me quick, what time is it, Vega? Vega can't answer. It occurs to her that she should let go of Milo, give him a chance to escape under whatever VR anti-perception tech was keeping him cloaked. But she can't get her arms to stop holding him tight. Yoo-hoo, you there? You're gonna make us miss it. Miss it? Miss the verbal flogging Vega's about to endure for committing acts of treason while the prophet-elect was listening the whole time? But instead of a verbal lashing, the prophet-elect cocks her head slightly. The visible Milo appears in Vega's arms and he and Vega scramble up from the ground in a classic you, it's really you moment. A jolt goes through Milo's whole body. He looks over at Cordra as if she's the grim reaper. He heard the voice. He looks down at the data link on his wrist. 2, 238, 
and 40 seconds. Two minutes and 49 seconds to go. Allegedly, am I right? Of course, if the prophecy doesn't come to pass in one minute or at all, there is one perfectly good explanation for that. I must have heard wrong. I am an imperfect vessel, you know. I do make mistakes. If I'm wrong about this, that would be very embarrassing for me. I've gone and made a big to-do about nothing. But that's why I love little tests like these. A little test like this, little audience like you, it really puts the pressure on. We're all gonna see very shortly whether mama's still got it. got it. Two minutes, 12 seconds, Milo says. Elect Cordra cocks her head again, which is really a very minute movement and Zaxby appears. He looks like a wild animal, but not the scary kind. More like an animal somebody dumped a bucket of water over. His previous fierceness reduced to a gangly and gasping thing that even a child would laugh to look at. There's an empty beat. Then Cordra throws her hands up. Actually, it's more accurate to say her hands feign that gesture. Her body is never as expressive as that voice. Oh, come on. All that brain activity and you're really going to give me nothing? What do you two? think it is what do you think is about to happen one minute 34 nobody has a guess now vega i know you have ideas you think it's something bad don't you you think it has something to do with him she ticks her head in zaxby's direction and wow i'll tell you his brain is a storm of electrical energy right now i think he's just as excited as i am i have to know Ooh, i wish i could see what is the expression on his face vega 60 seconds go on describe it for me vega hesitates cordra laughs because i can't See it. 53 seconds. Hurry up, Vega, before it changes. Vega stands, paralyzed. Vega. He's excited. Vega doesn't know what to say. It's impossible to know what the elect wants to hear, but the next moment tells her it wasn't that. The corners of Cordra's mouth fall as she turns. In the next moment, her ghostly gray eyes meet Vega's. Don't you lie. 30 seconds. I've read your reports. You're a poet. Look at that boy and describe his face for me like only you can. Vega looks at Zaxby. He looks back at her. The room seems to narrow to the two of them. He's not blinking. 10 seconds. There you go. He's flushed. His breathing is fast. Uh -huh. Seven. His eyes are six. Pleading. Five. Fascinating. Four. Three. Two. He's terrified. And that's all we've got for episode 11. The story continues on the next episode of the podcast or via the storytelling album. If you're interested, and if you're also tired of being interrupted like this, the album is a curated experience that keeps you in the story instead of pulling you out from week to week like the episodes do, though either method of listening will give you the same exact content. You can head over to my website, evomatellstories.com, for links to purchasing that album if you'd like to see your options to buy. If you'd like to financially support the next season of the show, you can head over to my Patreon to read more about how you can do just that. That will also be linked down below in the show notes for your convenience. Special thanks to Dusty Hall, who did all the music in this episode, to my Patreon producing partners, Caitlin Hines, Eric Stelfloop, and Rob Rossi, and to my consulting producer, Chad Ellis. What else is there to say about the state of affairs in this country? Please 
every one of you. Vote. As always, stay safe, fight oppression, and tune back in for the next exciting installment of Vega Sci-Fi Venture Podcast. Bye. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. I'm Jonathan Pezza, the creator of the Curious Matter Anthology. And I'm betting you've probably never heard anything like our show. adapt stories from authors like Philip K. Dick, Andre Norton, and Robert Block into binaural audio movies that transport you to new worlds. Hey, get them out of here! That's it? You're banned for life? What's with Braxians? Please, seriously! Told you downtown was a bad idea. In our brand new season, we explore farther into the what-ifs. You think, in these instances, that somehow simply by believing things are different, they changed. Doubt. I don't follow. I doubt something, and um, they don't change, per se. They cease to ever have been. We delve deeper into the realms of horror and science fiction. Nerves of steel, boys. James, sir, please. There's no need for this. I do not believe that whatever that is can understand you. Robert, I know you are in there somewhere. If you are, we are... I made it through the barrier! It's gone all of me! It's dragging him out! Damn! Beast! Just get to my knife! Well, that's new. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. So sit back, grab your popcorn, and listen to the Curious Matter Anthology today.